you're tuning into a daily dose of vitamin pill. Good morning, everyone. I'm Shira. I'm Bill Nealon. And you're tuning into a, a daily, daily dose, dose of, of vitamin, vitamin Bill. Bill. It is Sunday, April 30th, and what a beautiful Sunday it is. I hope you guys are out enjoying the fun and the sun and all the things that Florida has to offer. Well, Shira, I can't believe it's been over a year since our book launch. Yeah, today's the 30th. Oh, our book launch was on the 3rd of April. Yes, it's been a year. Wow. Does time fly? Yes, it does. And boy, what a day, a memorable day that Mm -hmm. was. I was hoping maybe 10 or 15 of my friends might show up. (laughs) We had over 70 people at our book launch. Just amazing. Well, that's due to you and all your media skills and promotion. And you just made it such an event people wouldn't miss it. Between the balloons and the lanterns and the food and the general setup, it was quite an event. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how we thought we would only have 15 people there. It'd be a pretty popular bill. (laughs) Uh, You know, for those of you who don't no, Shira and I met two, mm-hmm. over two years ago on a flight to Reno. We were mm-hmm. supporting a friend who was competing out there, and in our discussions, we discovered we, well, we each had a mutual love for writing, and uh, that led to hangouts when we got back to Florida mm-hmm. from Reno, and we really enjoyed one another's company, and we had this mutual love for writing, and I discovered Shira was a journalism major in college and a very, very talented writer, guys, let me tell you. And I had always kind of, you know, entertained the thought of possibly writing a book, and I said, if ever I was going to find someone. Well, I asked Shira to be my editor, and that has led us to this incredible journey that we're still on. Ah, uh, yes. In a year, we've published two books. We published My Journey with the Iron uh, and Your Journey Weight Training Log. We have an audiobook. We have the Kindle version, and that's all available on Amazon.com. We also developed a Tall Tales from a Short Memory. And that's just two to three minute audio vignettes of Bill's life and experiences throughout his career. And it's it's hilarious. So you guys got to check them out. But um, we also have a website, www.billneelan.com, where you can find out more information about me, more information about Bill. You can purchase merchandise. One of my favorite tabs is the Billism. And for those of you who know Bill, you know what a Billism is. But for those that don't, Bill, what's the Billism? Well, I developed these inspirational quotes for myself when I was competing, and it gave me the confidence and surety to, when I got on stage, I knew I'd be the threat. Yes, and one of my favorite Billism is definition never goes out of style. You know, as a matter of fact, here on our Hall of Champions wall is a new one. Yes, when she were built the studio, we knew we needed something new and relevant, so we came up with... It is not just to follow in the footsteps of of those who went before us, but to go beyond and make footprints of our own. Yes, and that we did. You know, that may be my favorite one. But there's so many more on the website. You guys are going to get lost on on trying to figure out which ones are your favorites. So definitely go to the website and check that out. And, you know, really to think about it, in a year, we've, we've... done so much. We were we were in the Palm Beach Post. Well, another big part of our year was we were a, a very viable presence at all the major bodybuilding shows in South Florida. And want to give a shout out to the promoters who were so kind and generous to us. Yes, yes. They gave us great placings for our booth. And Shira did a, as with the <laughs> book launch, a magnificent <laughs> job on the booth. I would say, without reservation, we were the most popular booths at any of the shows. We had more fans, spectators, and competitors come up, and we introduced ourselves. 
themselves. They bought the books, merchandise. It was really something. And we want to thank you all for your support. Yes. And speaking of competitions, we will be at the Triumph in Boca Raton on May 20th. That's uh, Rich Alvarez and Maria Belando's show. You guys definitely do not want to miss that. They put on an amazing show. So come see us. We'll be there. That's right. We're looking forward to seeing you. Yes. And you know what, Bill? I think after the show, we need to get some dinner or watch a movie or something. We like, always kind of... Like we usually do. Well, yeah. You know, if you remember, we celebrated the one-year book launch anniversary by going to see John Wick. Oh, yes. We, we did. We did. Yes. You know, we wanted to do something mellow because we're so busy all the time that we wanted to just relax. And I called AMC and I said, well, hey, Bill Nealon is coming to the theater. And they shut it down. <laughs> no, just kidding. Spoiler alert, that movie is three hours long. So be prepared to sit for a little while. Really good movie, though. Like she was said, real mellow. John Wick, very mellow. I think I lost uh, the count of dead bodies during the three hours. <laughs> I really want to know what his uh, diet is, because for a person who's been thrown off buildings and off trucks and, and vehicles, and they just get right back up, that's that's amazing. Bottle and sell it. I'd buy it. <laughs> Well, sure, I've been around you. You're pretty indestructible. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, that hat you've got on today, what a hat. That really polishes off the outfit. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, for those of you who don't know, Shira is a style trendsetter. I'm telling you. Thank you. She has outfits to die for. <laughs> and she's really got one on today. You should see. You can see it, guys. That's her. And, you know, it reminds me, you had a couple of really cool hats when we were in D.C. Oh, yeah. Yes. We went to D.C. February 8th through the 13th, I think. And we went because both books that we've published are in the Library of Congress. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful achievement we have in the Library of Congress. Last year, sometime last year, I went to a wedding and I decided I was going to stay a little bit longer in D.C. and just see the museums and check everything out. And I went to the Library of Congress. Beautiful place, by the way. They have these wonderful hand-painted murals on the ceilings and on the walls and it's really bright. And I walked in and I just knew I wanted to have our book in this library. So I asked the librarian and she said that is a lengthy process, but they are kind of choosy on what books they select to be in the library. So tell them the name and they'd look it up and we'd hear from them. And if we don't, well, you know what that means. So months later, Bill is dangling a letter from the Library of Congress. Can you believe we've been selected? <laughs> What an honor. Little old Shira and me, uh -huh. our book is in the Library of mm -hmm. Congress with all these great literary works. And guys, it's, we're just so humbled. It was such an achievement. I guess due to the historical content and the instructional content, they selected our books. Yes. Years and years after we're gone, our names are still going to be in the Library of Congress. I guess we're making some sort of legacy, right? Yes. Wow. <laughs> it's a, a little bit of a difference when you're a tourist and you're, you're just browsing the library. But when you have your control number and you know where your book is, librarians, they, they perk up a little bit more and they want to make sure you find your book. Well, as magnificent as the main building is with its murals and decor, it's huge. There are two more. There's the Jefferson Building and the Adams Building. Yes. And our book is housed in the Adams Building. So we had quite an adventure. We took a tunnel from the main library to the Adams Library. And then from there, you take the elevator from the first floor to the fifth. You've got to walk through TSA-like security. And by the way, every museum has 
TSA like security. So you're taking your belt off and your jacket or, you know, whatever you're wearing at every place you go. And that's a good thing. But once you go through the security, we get to the, the other librarian and we ask her for the books and she shows us right to the shelf and you can pluck that book right off the shelf. Yes, we just, it was surreal to actually <laughs> be there and see our book among all these other literary works. Just amazing. So I knew Shira last year had got her card, so I had to get a library card. <laughs> library yes. of Congress. I was not going to let you leave D.C. without getting a library card. We probably might not ever use it again, but at least we have it for memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> After Library of Congress, we were on such a high from seeing our book in the Library of Congress, we didn't want to go home. So right across the street is the U.S. Capitol. Now, when you guys do the U.S. Capitol, you got to do the guided tour. There's so much information. And they're very well-versed, and they really know their stuff. We saw so much historical stuff from statues. We learned so much about George Washington and the Dred Scott decision. Yes, wow. Rosa Parks. Yes. Harriet Tubman. Interesting fact, the president, he cannot come to the the Capitol, unless he's invited. <laughs> You're the president. I thought you can go anywhere you want to go. Nope, not the Capitol. You've got to be invited. But our tour got interrupted, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, it did. And speaking of <laughs> interruptions, with my hat, so that day it was really cold. I think it was about 39 degrees. And I wore a black Cossack hat. <laughs> And Nancy Pelosi just comes waltzing by, and it just stops everything. She has cameras following her. I think she was doing a show. She turns around, and our eyes meet, Bill. Our eyes connect. <laughs> and she's just staring at my hat. I think I'm going to frame that hat. <laughs> well, fortunately, we got a photo of that. And again, everything stopped. She yeah. walked in. Even the tour guide said, well, I might as well stop talking. And <laughs> everybody's staring at Nancy Pelosi. And she turns and stares at Shira and Shira's cap. And everybody's staring at Shira. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, when you guys are there, don't forget when Congress is in session, you can go in and see them. However, I thought it was a little weird. If you're a citizen, you have to leave the Capitol, go across the street to your to find your state representative and get a pass. And then you got to come back to the Capitol in order to see Congress in session. Now, if you're an international traveler, you can just go on in. And I thought that was a little, you know, a little weird. Yeah, seeing that we pay taxes and they don't, and we can't go in. Yeah, yeah. Well, just get your pass before you go. That way you don't have to go through the hassle of going across the street and doing all that just to just to see Congress in session. But it is a beautiful building. And one of the one of the highlights for me was, of course, the cafeteria. Mm. <laughs> I thought they had the cutest little capital muffins in the shape of the Capitol. <laughs> yes. And, and the food was very good. And it's very large. It's built to house a lot of people. And we noticed as we were finishing our lunch and leaving, several large groups of look like students mm -hmm. and uh, other groups came in. So there are tours that are going year round at the Capitol. I highly recommend doing the tours. Don't just waltz around and try to figure out what's what. Go on the tours. Only pick certain cafeterias to go to. The best one we went to was the Capitol. But if you're looking for restaurants in that D.C. area where the museums are, you're not going to find any. You're going to find a bunch of street food. And if th that's okay if, if you like street food, you know, but I, I just, I, I couldn't 
do the street food too long. One day, and I, I'd had enough. Yes, and we made that mistake of just for convenience and not missing any of the tours. That first day, we ate uh, on a couple of occasions the the street vendor food, mm-hmm. the vans that mm-hmm. they had. And boy, uh, guys, just take a tip from us. It didn't agree with us later on. And <laughs> I guess it was yeah. the second or third day we woke up, both of us in kind of a, a foul mood, and our energy levels were low. We had trouble concentrating, and we came to the realization that you know bad food can have a profound effect on how you feel and your even yeah. your mood yeah. for the day. So we got a good lunch and felt a whole lot better. Yeah, there's some there's some really good spots in D.C. So you have the marketplace. That's a big building where they have different selections of different kinds of food. So you may have Egyptian, you might have Spanish, and then there is the wharf. It's an array of really nice restaurants. There's uh, Ben and Jerry's. We had ice cream. You can walk your dog. Um, it's right by the Museum of the Bible. That's right. Yeah, it's right on the water. And just up from that is the Museum of the Bible. Sure was. You must do the Museum of the Bible. And it's one of those those things where you kind of miss it because it's at the end of the National Mall. And by the way, I thought the National Mall was a mall where you can shop and buy things. But no, it's actually <laughs> the combination of all the museums. Don't go to D.C. thinking the National Mall is a shopping center. It's not. <laughs> For any of us, the Bible is a part of our lives, whether you're religious or or spiritual or not. Mm-hmm. It is a part of the human experience. And we went in there, and we were fascinated to find there were many versions of the Bible. Yes. There's there's a slave Bible, and that's on display. And they opened it up to a, to a page where uh, on display it says, basically the reason for slavery is because Noah cursed Ham. That's the reason. Mm-hmm. Gee, I would think a lot of people cursed a lot of people back then, <laughs> wouldn't you? I mean, I'm sure uh, Job cursed uh, Jebediah or and did, did, did that whole change, did that cause racism? I don't know. I don't think so. Very interesting. You you have to go see the different types of Bibles because there's there's even a comic book version, the Genesis by R. Crumb, dated in 2009. There's Bibles that have color. There's uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's these huge scrolls, just an array of just different types of Bibles. That's true. And we found, too, that these different versions of the Bible were, first of all, they were all brought over from Europe to mm-hmm. the United States. And Mm-hmm. The Puritans, who were some of the first settlers here, really applied it to their morals, and they dispensed that to the other people. But it was a very one-sided interpretation, yeah. let's say. And you find throughout history, as you're looking at these different versions, that the leaders of the day took spiritual quotes to use them for their economic, social, and business purposes. So the Bible got manipulated in many different ways. As we said, even there was a Bible for slave owners and slaves to think it's actually acceptable to have slaves. Yeah, so that was that was really interesting. <laughs> and when you get to that Dead Sea Scroll, there's a like a pole and it has a TV on it. It looks like there's a room in there. So someone kind of pops in and says hello, and I say hello. <laughs> and there's a there's a human who is a virtual tour guide. And I found it very interesting that we are in the Museum of the Bible and they didn't have the Book of Kells. The Book of Kells is known as the oldest book in the world. It's housed in Trinity College in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And I saw it I saw it myself when I was visiting Dublin. And interestingly, it's all pictures because being so old, it was done at a time where pe- there were no alphabet, there were no letters, no one was reading yeah. then. So it's all done in picture form. And it's all in glass. And really, you can't touch it. It's really magnificent to see this thing laid out on the first floor of Trinity College in the museum they have there. But it is known universally all over the world as the oldest book 
in the world, and it is a book of the Bible in picture form. Wow, yeah, and she had no idea what it was, <laughs> and I thought that you are the tour guide for the Museum of the Bible, and you don't know what that is. You would think all the Bibles would be right in that museum, and I know she'll remember us because we stumped her that day, and as we're walking away, she's asking us how to spell it so she can Google it. They'll remember us. Yes, yes. The Hebrew Old Testament exhibit, that's beautiful. It's it's an interactive walkthrough, so it's great for kids. I mean, great for adults as well. Yes, from... Adam and Eve all the way up through and I'm sure a lot of us are I know I am kind of fuzzy of the real mm -hmm. chronological order mm -hmm. but in a very simple entertaining way it shows you the path of history from Adam and Eve all the way through the Old Testament yes yes you that's a must do when you go to the Museum of the Bible and all of the museums except for I think the Museum of the Bible is free admission. Museum of the Bible charges 20 bucks for adults to get in. I think about 10 for kids. But it's a really it's a really nice place for you to visit. You you want to know about the different versions, especially the ones from 1600s and, you know, 1400s and they have all of them on display. And when we came out of the Hebrew exhibit, which was the last major thing we saw, mm -hmm. We looked across, and, and there was a Holocaust museum. And coming from uh, yeah, the Hebrew yeah. perspective, it just seemed like the logical next step for us. Right. Yes, the Holocaust Museum. You know, that was a dreary, rainy day. Walking into that museum, it was a, a real experience. I read about the Holocaust, but to go to the museum and experience it, it's a different feeling. Bill and I picked up a card, and on the card is a person who's either lost their life or who's still alive, and you're going to walk through that Holocaust Museum through the experience as that person on the card. And you take these elevators, and they take you up to, I guess, the second floor, and you begin the experience, which is really, really, really sad. Prepare yourself for uh, a, a somber type of day. Yes. Uh, it's, it's our history and tough to stomach at times. The documentation and the footage is simply amazing how they got it all preserved from yeah. so many years ago, you know, almost 100 years ago, 80 years ago, but it's all there. We didn't see a lot of picture taking. You don't hear a lot of conversation. You don't hear any laughter. It's a very deep, moving, tragic, tragic walk through history. And prepare yourselves because it's very emotional and yeah. to see it's not just you know writing or there is a, a lot of documentation a lot to read in there about what re actually occurred in this systematic persecution of the yeah. Jewish race the people and what Hitler did but it wasn't extermination wasn't the goal in the beginning. Hitler simply wanted to get rid of the Jews and saw them as a, a problem and he tried to, effectively he did, get the, because he was such a charismatic mm -hmm. speaker, get mm -hmm. these other countries to believe his <laughs> propaganda and no one wanted the Jews. They were not welcome in Hungary, they were not welcome in Romania and all the uh, adjacent countries and Hitler just wanted them gone. I read that he will put the Jews on luxury ships and planes just just to get them out of Germany. And anyone who can take them can take them. But to hear his voice saying these things, it's just oh, deplorable. I'm mm, very sad. And throughout the museum, there are these um, spaces where you can sit that is for reflection. At some points, you do have to sit down because of the footage, the, the photos. They are a lot. Very tough to tolerate because this is real. This isn't a cautionary yeah. tale or a movie or a, a docudrama. This is real history. You see real lives being taken yeah. right on the film. Um, 
You see the swastika. You see German, even just what the German uniform evokes. It evokes oh. terror yeah. and and just elimination at the lowest basis level. And what they did, we saw how they used Jews for experiments, experimentation, yes. oh. how they lined them up in ditches, how they made them run, or just, they, just to terrorize them, they would line them up in a line and indiscriminately just shoot one in the back of the head. Yes. And you're just, again, as Shira said, oh. you have to sit down and, and try to Calm down and process this man's inhumanity to man. It is tragic. It is dark. It is so sad. But it is our history. We, we Like it or not, it's something that should be experienced. Yes. There's a lot of footage, thousands upon thousands of shoes that they took off and cut their hair off. I, I can't get these images out of my mind. And so it's you have to go and experience it because, like I said, reading it in a book is completely different from seeing it on camera. And near the end, you see the trains that lead to the extermination camps and yeah. the gassing of mm -hmm. the Hebrew people. And you see that they were tricked into thinking, oh, they were going to another work camp yeah. or they were going to be interrogated. And then they'd bring them in and they'd strip the bodies down, dust them down with this type of substance. And, and they said, we we're just going to cleanse you. We're just going to have you shower. Mm. And, and that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. Again, it's, it's really mind-boggling, and it's, it's emotionally very draining and difficult to take. And the tough thing about it, I think, for Shira and I was there's no hope. You don't see any hope. Even in the aftermath, which there's a section after you go through all these, these very visceral things, in the aftermath, it showed the post-World War II era, and there's no real solution. The Jews yeah. still have nowhere to go. The war's over. Hitler's defeated. But their situation, they're not, they're not being exterminated anymore, but they don't have a, a positive future. I was just glad I experienced it. And the day didn't really help, you know, because it was raining and, you know, pretty, pretty somber, sad day. But everyone should see it. Yeah. Everyone should go. It's difficult, but you come out different. That's for yeah. sure. And then right after, I think we heard a group of people saying they were going to go to the Lincoln um, Lincoln Monument, which is everything is in close proximity. So it's walking distance and maybe five or 10 minute walk. And the Lincoln Monument is open 24 seven. So you can go at any time. And Bill and I decided from the Holocaust Museum, we were going to walk over to Lincoln Monument and check that out. Yes. And wow, you've seen it on TV and you've seen things in books. But when you experience a memorial, it was much larger. That statue was much larger than I, I ever knew. And it's recessed. It's back a good ways from what you think. And, of course, we got in there, we took pictures, and we were awed by the sheer size of it. But at one point, Shira and I turned around, and we looked. And straight ahead, about three-quarters of a mile, is the monument, the Washington yeah. Monument. Yeah. And what do we see but this huge mall, this huge area. And we, we looked at one another, and it dawned on us, this is where all the yeah. major events that you see televised all your life happened right where we were standing. You know, all I could think about was, how long did it take people to leave? They must have been stuck in traffic for hours. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's, it could fit thousands and thousands of people. Inaugurations, civil rights, uh, anti-abortion, women's liberation, yeah. all these major movements, these huge congregations of people are right there where we stood. That's where you see it. And you see the potential for tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. There's enough room. Yeah. So I would recommend if you're ever going to an event there, just take the bus or the metro. <laughs> don't drive. Don't park. You're going to be there for a while. 
One of my favorite parts of the trip was the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. That's a big, beautiful building that you cannot miss. It's gorgeous. It's about seven floors. It's actually one of the largest in the world, and it's three levels below and I think four up top. Wow, what what a journey that was. And we recommend that you start at the bottom. You start there, and actually you go in, you go down a couple of floors, and then you wait in line to take an elevator that goes down much further. And as it goes down, it traces back history. There's a a clock that goes back into the centuries, and it really... Kind of embarrassed to say I'm a little ignorant on the issue. I thought slavery began like, you know, uh, in the 1800s before the Civil War. Guys, it goes back to the 1400s. And we witnessed this. There are no pictures from that time, of course, but you see sketches of the drawings of the slaves from Africa being brought over in ships. Mm. And they are shackled together, uh, the feet at one end and the next person, the heads at that person's feet. And they are lined up like human cargo in these brutal, just primitive shackles, and that's how they were transported across the Atlantic Ocean. Once you get off the elevator, just prepare yourself for an eye-opening journey into human suffering and brutal, inhumane conditions. I just couldn't understand why this needed to happen. The The care it took keeping everything together was, was wonderful because there was more to what you read in the books in school if you don't go to that museum. Oh boy, and as we were going through these lower levels, you can't experience that reading a book or even watching a film, we were walking through this tunnel of despair and the, yeah. a level of human suffering that the people endured, not for not for years, not for decades, but for centuries, when these slaves came to the United States and their children and their children born into slavery and live a life of slavery with no outcome, no, no sunshine, no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Once you go through that bottom level, you'll make your way up, but every floor is just a different type of suffering. We got to Oh, the the Emmett Till exhibit. That's that's one you don't want to miss. You walk in and you're not allowed to have your your phone out, so you can't record or take any photos. But the moment you walk in, you hear his mother's heartbreaking story of the day she saw her son, and she had to look from his feet all the way up to his head because she couldn't start at the head. And then you walk around and you get to the coffin. This tiny coffin. This is a boy. They did this to a little boy, 14 years old. And I recently was on a flight, and they one of the options for films was the Emmett Till story, and I watched it. And having already been here, mm. it had such an impact on me. I, I stood in front of that casket. I was there. And guys, when you hear Emmett Till's mother, you hear the actual recording from 1955. Yeah. You hear her voice and her anguish and her wailing about what was done to her son by these these redneck backward people and uh, this has been going on I mean we're now into modern times but the the brutality the violence and barbarism of the Ku Klux Klan and these are these are citizens by day and they're terrorists by night on on people just like them who are trying to work raise a family make a living who have emotions who have feelings who have honor who have dignity and all they want is equality Mm -hmm. and to terrorize them by lynching them burning down their homes burning down their places of worship where they go to church the inhumanity in modern times we're not talking about centuries ago we're talking about less than a hundred years ago in modern 
modern times, less, less than 70 years ago, modern day society, this type of brutality is being done to their fellow man simply because of the color of their skin. There's a, the seats that we sat in for the silent restaurant protests. And you, you sit and it's supposed to give you the experience of what it was like to sit back in that time frame and protest silently. As you're sitting, they're spitting on you, they're blowing smoke in your face, they're hitting you, punching you, and you're just supposed to sit there quiet and not defend yourself and just cover your face because you're going to get beat up. And I just, I looked to my left where Bill's sitting next to me. It just dawned on me that our friendship would have never been tolerated at all. We wouldn't even be sitting next to each other. Yes. And we, and yet in the museum, we sat right next to one another. Yeah. Yes, we did. How times have changed. We also... They have a replica of one of the train cars mm-hmm. and the buses. And you could actually walk on board that and walk to the very back where the African-Americans had to sit. Yeah. They were not allowed to sit anywhere else. Yeah. The other thing that really struck me, and I, I may be getting a little ahead of myself, but for all of you listening to us, I have to say, I could have gone to the museum myself mm-hmm. and would have gotten a lot out of it. But going with my friend Shira and seeing her reaction and seeing her emotions, I looked over at my friend and said, this is her heritage. These are her grandparents and great-grandparents, and and this is her lineage and her heritage that experienced all this not very long ago. Yes. And I had a brand new type of empathy and understanding and concern for my friend and African-American people because of the history of persecution and just oppression that still goes on today to some extent. It still goes on. Yeah. And to to see this and, and to remember myself growing up as a boy seeing news footage and hearing the slanted media saying, you know, violence and so forth. But you watch these peaceful protests by African-Americans mm-hmm. led by their leaders, peaceful protests wanting peaceful change. And and whenever there's a gathering, you see the white police with the dogs, mm-hmm. the billy clubs and nightsticks and the hoses <laughs> because people were having a peaceful sit-in and the white society couldn't tolerate it. Yeah, people yeah. asking for same wages, same rights, sick days that that their white counterparts had. They simply want equality. And you say to yourself, what is all the fighting about? Why not? Why why should, as reasonable as it can be, read the Constitution. All men are created equal. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. And here you have African-American people that fought in the war. Mm-hmm. Fought in the war, gave up their life or their limbs. And some who survived that returned from the war for the country they fought for, and yet they're not treated equally. Yeah. They still have yep. to go to the back of the, the restaurant to get served or have to use a separate water fountain or a separate toilet. And you just say, what is wrong with modern thinking man? Do, do they not de- to see the dis- disconnect here? And as, as a Caucasian man, I'm saying, what was wrong with our society? It really yeah. made me think because I'm with my friend and we're dear friends and we consider one another equals mm-hmm. in every way. And wh- wh- what was with the thinking then? I just simply, I'm at a loss. I don't understand, guys, but what an eye-opener for, for both of us. I went by myself last year when I was in D.C. And it's, there are two different experiences. But to experience it with Bill is a different different type of experience. And it was an eye-opening adventure because we're, we're standing there together and it's it would have not been possible back then ever stand together and, and do this together. So I'm, I'm happy I went with you. Yes. Very, very educational for us. And we did the museum in two days. Yes. Recommended two days. It's a lot. The, the first day when just the bottom floor, the three lower levels, takes a day. And you need that 
that day, from all that oppression that you witness mm -hmm. and all that you see, guys, it's a slow evolution. And it's beginning on those levels slowly, slowly over many, many years. But when you witness this and go through these lower floors and the day is over and you go home, it's, it's a lot to process and digest. And you yeah. come out of there changed. Mm -hmm. You really do. So you need mm -hmm. a day before you go back and see the second half. Yeah. And, and day two is where we, we went up. It, the reason I recommend it, it starts with the oppression 1400s and then it, it, it evolves and it, it evolves. And you can see the progression of African-Americans throughout history. And those four levels up, they really show the evolution. It's slow, but you see the progress starting to take place. And for me, what I witnessed, it, it seemed to begin and shortly after it came through other areas of society, it started to begin with athleticism because we're such a sports oriented mm -hmm. country, the United States. And you see these rising stars, even in the World War II, Jesse Owens, 1936 yeah. Olympics, 36, Hitler saluted him. Jesse Owens was our American superstar. She was standing over by the, the exhibit of Jesse Owens and actually read the plaque and we filmed it because it was so impressive. But how disappointing when this American hero returned to his own country. He died penniless. He didn't get paid for anything that he did. And that is just unfathomable to do these great things and not get paid for it. He was a gold medal winner, but he was a black man. Yes. He was a just, black man. Wow. So he comes back to his own country. He's not offered a coaching job, nope. a consulting job. Uh, he, he doesn't come back a hero. In the history books, he is because of his accomplishments. But as a human being, he's a black man. Yep. And so therefore, and that was depressing to see that outcome for such an American hero. But as you look at other things, you see great athletes like Wilma Rudolph. Mm. You see Dr. J. You see Muhammad Ali, who brought world leaders together. Yes. And these other great, great athletes, and you read about Title IX, <laughs> where through peaceful protest, they, they got their point made. Yes, really. And you look at these, and modern-day athletes like the Williams sisters, and you see the slow rise through athleticism. But what began with that athletic prominence was a voice. Yes. And such great, responsible athletes to use the voice for positive change. If young men can look it up at Willie Mays or Hank Aaron because they can hit home runs, well, their voice can be heard. Yes. And that was an avenue for change. And then you see it, for me, we see it in the influence of music and these great music leaders. And let's face it, guys, African-American culture, their music resounded through the world. They influenced <laughs> the world, not just the United States, but African-American music influenced all areas of the world in rhythms and, and musical culture. And you see these rising stars come out of that. Count Basie, Miles Davis, James Brown, hmm. these great, great uh, leaders. Uh, Whitney Houston, these Michael people. Jackson. That, Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. My God, world heroes. And then other areas of literacy, style, fashion. It's really nice to see that they contributed a section to style. Hair color, sneakers, Jordan. Style matters. It really, really does. And it's a form of self-expression. It is how we expressed ourselves throughout all of this pain and oppression. Well, what's marvelous is you see finally the opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. And we go into this section, this exhibit called Style Matters. Right? So, oh, this is Shira's room. <laughs> this is Shira's room. Self-expression, style. Oh Here gosh. we are. She's right at home. So 
So we lingered there quite a while, as yeah. I remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But really, uh, it just what you're seeing is gradually as you go up the floors is the positive social change. Mm-hmm. The voice is not only being heard, it's being listened to and change is taking place. Finally, African-American people are reaching their, their stage in society and they're given the opportunity to excel and they do. Yes. They're given the opportunity mm-hmm. to influence and they do through art, through fashion, through hairstyles, through acting, through mm-hmm. entertainment, so, the dancers, yeah. the dancers, the poets, Maya Angelou, these just great, great, great leaders that come out. It's it's fabulous. And you just get this exhilaration. We did as we're going up these floors and seeing the achievement, yeah. tremendous Phenomenal. achievement and triumph over odds. And guys, it's still going on. It's still occurring, but the huge strides have been made. We have more to go, but huge strides are being made. And it's exhilarating to see African-American expression all over the world and the tremendous influence it has all over the world. And you say to yourself, why is it that these people were oppressed when they've got so much talent, so much ability, so much to offer, and yet they were being held down and they fought and fought for peaceful change and and they got it. I'm glad we went to that museum. It is beautiful from, from the outside and inside. And we had a wonderful experience from that museum. We went to the Dr. Martin Luther King Memorial. That's a great thing to do after the, the National African American Museum because it really brings home the point. Do- Dr. King's ideals. Yes. And you start yes. to see them realize and what a magnificent. And we'd recommend, we saw it at night. We mm. didn't see it during the day, mm-hmm. but I cannot see how it would be superior to see it during the day because at <laughs> night it's illuminated. And wow, the detail in the sculpture itself, we just were mesmerized by the detail of the Dr. King sculpture. It's massive. It's beautifully done. Wow, we just stood there. We were there quite a while. We actually talked to the park ranger named Steve. Very informative. As I was there taking photos and videos, he came up to me and asked, what do you think of the statue? And I said, well, it's a beautiful statue. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. And he goes, what do you think of the color? Didn't cross my mind, but it's beautiful color. And he says, well, he's been working there a long time, and most people have an issue with the color. And they think that it should have been black or dark brown and I couldn't see it in that color and especially at night it just illuminates in the color that it is a beige off-white granite has a little bit of pink a little bit of sparkle it's beautiful the way it is black or brown it would have been beautiful too but I just I never thought about it that way and he was very informative Bill and I spoke to him for about 30 minutes in 39 degree weather by the way he gave us so much information on who built the statue when it came out especially when the president has to sign in order to have this this done. So when you guys go look for Steve, he's going to tell you everything you need to know. Wonderful experience talking to Steve. And we had uh, just such an inspirational time at that monument. The Dr. King, I mean, we can talk about it all day, mm-hmm. but to sit in front of it and, and look at it and, and be inspired. And I think there was a particular goal in mind with the design and, and the position and the placing of yeah. the monument itself. My take was that it was Dr. King was pointing toward the future. Right. Pointing forward right. the future. And you just get this sense with all the problems in this country, Dr. King had unfailing optimism. Yes. He had belief. He had hope for unity. Finishing that trip with the Dr. Martin Luther King Memorial was wonderful because we are that dream that Martin Luther King had. And it's beautiful to experience it together from two different cultures, two different backgrounds, two different ages. It was a wonderful trip. Something we'll always remember. Yes. And we wouldn't have gone to D.C. if not for our books being the Library of Congress. So... 
we really want to take the time right now to thank you guys for all your support and thank you for the continued support because without you guys we wouldn't have any of this so thank you and you can find our book in the library of congress go to the library of congress website and just type the book in and it will pop right up we will we will see you guys next sunday because we have a very special very special guest look forward to seeing you all then thanks for tuning in <laughs>